Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the whole multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. We spoke about that the other week. Unity, one heart and one soul. Isn't it good to be one? Not two, that's division. One vision, one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one name of Jesus, one church of Jesus Christ with all the different expressions around the world. Don't divide the body. Don't divide the body. You know what? There are so many Christians out there who post. Oh, it's going to be one of those. Uh, who post. Who post warning people about the church. Christians. Oh, you know, this church does this and this church does that and, and this preacher preaches this. and Oh, shut up. It's not your place to divide the body. It's not your place to criticise another ministry. Hello? Not your place to criticise another church. Oh, but they don't believe in healing. Well, who cares? Don't criticise them. Just live for Jesus yourself and be a part of a church that does believe in healing. You're still spending eternity with those people. Amen. Too many police around. I don't mean on the streets. I think we need more. Too many police in the body of Christ. Policing. We don't need police in the body of Christ. We need believers in the body of Christ. Worshippers. Mountain movers. Amen. Wow, 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 wow. One heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. They had all things in common. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. We've talked about all of this. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who had possessions of lands, houses, sold them, brought the proceeds of the things which were sold, which was, that they sold. They laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And then there was this man, Joseph, whose name was Barnabas, named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. That's a good name. Son of encouragement. Having land, he sold it. He brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter five, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds and his wife knew about it as well and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Three times we've heard that expression in the last few verses. Laid, let's all say that. Laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, it's not there by accident. So Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not all yours in your control? Look at that word control, your own control. Everybody say control. control. Powerful word. Powerful word. Who's in control of your life? Was it not in your control? 
Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Everybody say, in your heart. Okay. You've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. This man's a Christian. He's a believer. Lying to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, breathed his last, died. Wow. Have I done something wrong? Have I said something? What have I done? Have I done something? It's just, we're just thinking, wow. Dropped. It's okay. That's fine. Yeah, gone. You see, when the glory of God hits a church, the glory doesn't decide the after effects. The glory is not deciding. If there was a fire here, I've used this analogy hundreds of times, if there was a fire here, the fire doesn't choose what it does to stuff. If there are rats in the place, the fire causes the rats to leave. If there's, if there's, I don't know, gold and silver in the place, the fire will purify the gold and silver. If there's stuff that is combustible, it will be burnt up. The fire's not choosing. The fire's not choosing. I'm gonna say something probably a bit controversial. This is not the judgment of God because all the judgment of God went on Jesus. This is not judgment, this is consequence. Huge difference, huge difference. There is still consequence for how we live, but there's no more judgment for sin. Hallelujah. AIDS was not judgment of God for homosexuality. People preach that stuff. But it is consequence. It's consequence. You do certain things, other things will happen. God is not in control of everything that goes on, but God is in authority overall. So there's consequence. And people get confused between judgment and consequence, two totally different things. Why did that happen to that person? It must have been God's will. No, just consequence of their lifestyle. Hello. And here's a believer who drops down dead in the middle of church because the fire got him. And I can remember praying a long time ago, years, probably 25, 30 years ago, saying, God, we want the fire to fall. And God, I can't remember the exact words, but I know what God said to me. He said, I can't because I'd lose half my church. That's, that's quite a statement. God wants to pour out His glory, but He wants a church purified at the end of it because there's gold, silver and precious stones. See, we are in days of the glory of God. We are in days of the glory of God. I'm gonna say it again. We are in days of the glory of God. People walk in one way, leave another. That's glory. See, faith makes me whole. Faith heals me. 
But when I'm not even exercising faith and I walk in and get something I'm not even believing for and walk out with some, with some aspect of the blessing that I'm not even believing for, there's an element of that which is corporate faith, faith environment in the church. But there's a huge part of that which is just the presence of God, the glory of God. Can I hear an amen this morning? Just the, the, the effects of the glory. This man drops down dead. Why? Because he lied to the Holy Spirit. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things and the young men rose. They wrapped him up, carried him out, buried him. Now it was three hours late. They did all that within three hours. Three hours later, in comes his wife, not knowing what's happened. Peter answered her and said, tell me whether you sold the land for this amount of money. She said, yep, that's it. Peter said, how is it that you've agreed together to test? Everybody say test. Test, Test. that's a very powerful word. To test the Holy Spirit. We're told to test God in another part of the Bible. But here they're testing God, trying to get away with something. Isn't it funny, about 10 minutes ago, we were all shouting and jumping and clapping and laughing and it was like, woo And now it's like, oh, Pastor Jay, you sneaked this one on us, didn't you? <laughs> to test the Spirit of God. Look, the feet of those who just put your husband in the ground are at the door, they'll carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet. Fourth time and breathed to last. The young men came in, found her dead. Oh, another one. (laughs) Can we not do all these in one go? They carried her out and they put her by her husband, buried her by her husband. Great fear came upon all the church and on all those who heard these things. Verse 32, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and Wonders, let's all say that. Signs and wonders (coughs) were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared to join the church. None of this sort of casual thing, ah, wander in, give it a go. It's like, wow, if you go in there, you better be gold or you better be hungry for God. You better be trying to find salvation. People esteemed them highly. The believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. Acts chapter eight, let's just read that quickly. Verse 18 to 21. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. Amazing. Amazing. Laying hands, people. Prophesying, speaking in tongues. Because somebody touched someone else. There's a power in impartation. Just like you've got to be really observant as to who's in your inner circle, also be very careful who lays hands on you. Because they're going to give you something. Haggai chapter 2, you can either impart life or death. That the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money. Let's all say money. 
saying, give me this power also that anyone I touch can receive the Holy Spirit. Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. I'm going to say that again. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. I mean, they're pretty straight, these people. They're not playing with words, trying to not offend somebody. Oh, it might hurt their feelings. Can I just say, if we start to live life trying to help or hurt or not hurt people's feelings, we are giving life on a whole wrong level. Let's get away from this feeling living. It'll always lead you down the wrong path. Trying to help someone's feelings is a waste of ministry. We strengthen people's hearts and from the heart, they take captive their own soul. But if you're trying to deal with someone's soul, you're ministering on the wrong level. So at Citygate Church, for 26 years, we've ministered to the heart of a person. Is faith going in there? Is the Word of God going in there? Not just, ah, there, 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 everything will be all right. No, I'm not gonna minister on that level. Let's talk about, are you spending time in the Word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you strengthening, being strengthened with might in the inner man? Because that's where you're gonna encourage yourself from. If you become an addict to external encouragement, you're gonna be an emotional mess. Come on, strengthen that spirit man on the inside. Speak to your own self. Take captive your own thoughts. Speak the Word of God out of your own mouth. And then your own soul will live in submission to your own spirit. Amen. And then healing will come out of your own river. Oh, Pastor Jay, will you pray for me? No, time to grow up and pray for yourself. Now, we'll lay hands on people. We always will. Of course we will. We'll stand together. But not because someone else can't be bothered. We'll add our faith with yours. But make sure you've got your own river coming out your own mouth. I can't be your river. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying this? Okay, I better get on with my message because my message today is money and the kingdom. Money and, can we all say that? Money and the kingdom. It was a massive deal here. Massive deal. I mean, it's like, this is serious stuff. It's amazing. Read through the Gospels. Read through the book of Acts. It's very evident that finances 
more importantly, our attitude to them. Our attitude to money. Our attitude to finances are hugely significant in the Word of God and in our day-to-day relationship with God. Very evident. You can't get away from the subject of stuff, money, things, material possessions. I'm just going to say this because I wrote it down. I wrote, I don't always write down things that I want to say, but I, I think I'll write this down because then it's not, it's, it's sort of rehearsed. It really shouldn't be that we're trying to prove from God's Word that Christians should be generous. I mean, if that's where we've reduced the ministry down to, oh, let me try and show you from God's Word that we should be generous. It's like, what got saved when you got saved? What happened? When I came to Christ... I died. I died. That moment, I died. When I said, Jesus is Lord, and I believed in my heart that God had raised him from the dead, I died that moment. Gone. Julian Melfi ceased to exist. You could still see what he used to live in. And you could still feel some of his personality. But he was a whole new created being on the inside, which is now called Christ. He's the head, I'm the body. What's your name, Julian? My name's Christ. The anointed one. Christ in me, my hope of glory. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. No, you see, this stuff is real. Yes. Come to Academy, you'll find out all about it and you'll never be the same again. Yeah. It really shouldn't be that we're trying to prove from God's Word that Christians should be generous, that Christians should tithe, that Christians should give offerings, that Christians should give to the poor, should sell stuff to meet somebody else's need. This should not be unusual in the body of Christ. Because when you come to Christ, that's what Jesus does. And it's Jesus on the inside. Christ on the inside. Hello? I'm going to keep reading. There are so many promises that God is our abundant provider. Hallelujah. Wow. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of prosperity. He's God of more than enough. You see, when I died, let's just say in a really crass, carnal way. Can I just put it like that? My accounts became his accounts. And his accounts became my accounts. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. So am I. I love this. See, that needs to become a revealed truth 
on the heart of the believer. I am the possessor of heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. Whatever He owns, I own. Whatever I own, He owns. It's amazing. No wonder I get excited and my legs ache. No wonder. This stuff is real to me. Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Come on, let's say that. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Is translated, ah, oh, peace. No. More than anything else in the Bible, it's translated prosperity. Because it's talking about wholeness in every part of our lives. Wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. Whole spirit, whole soul, whole physical body, whole financial life, whole emotionally, whole in our relationships. Whole in every part of our lives. The Lord Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Jesus said, if, you can, if God can trust you with your money, He will trust you with the Holy Spirit, the anointing and the glory. Jesus said, if you give, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your lap. Talking about not being someone who judges, curses and gives financially. Jesus said, if you seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything the Gentiles seek materially will be given to you. Paul said, God loves prizes above other things and will not abandon um, or do without a joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Paul said, excel in the grace of generosity. Paul said, Jesus was made poor so that we will be made rich. And that was in the context of finances. Paul said, and my God will meet all of your material needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul said, my relationship with God does not change whether I have temporary lack or I have too much. I can do all things through Christ in me that strengthens me on the inside and changes my outside experience. David said, it gives God great pleasure to prosper his servants. Abraham said, here's my tithe. I've raised my hand in a covenant commitment to God that the possessor of heaven and earth will make me rich. Paul said, God will provide financial seed for me to sow and food for me to eat. And I will give more than we, e and will give us more than we ever need ourselves to be generous on every occasion. I could keep going the statements and the truths from the Word of God. So in short, God is a God of prosperity. He's a God of more than enough. He is the God who has created the principle of giving, not because He needs our stuff, but because we need to be generous and Christ-like in order to mature our own heart and our own life. And when we get with His programme, live by His kingdom principles, we will live with an abundance and meet every need around us. Can we give God some praise for that? Hallelujah. Awesome. Ah, oh, so I need to get on with my message. I want to ask this question. What are God's kingdom's principles concerning money? 
If that is true, what I've just said, and I've just taken it all from God's Word, not out of context. I could have read it in context and not changed a thing. Just we'd have to read chapter and chapter and chapter and I just read verse by verse by verse. So this is, this is really important. If this is true, then we need to know what God's principles are, His kingdom principles. And quite simply, they are two things and I'm gonna split them up a little bit and then comment on three things. So quite simply, it's either one or the other. Number one, don't love money, love God. Is that as straight as I can get? Don't love money, love God. You cannot love both. Like you cannot love God and the world. You cannot Don't love money, love God. I could have put it round the other way. Love God, don't love money. But I really felt, let's put it round that way. Let's make that statement. Do not love money, do not. Jesus said that. Do not love money. Now I could get into all of that for the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. There's nothing wrong with money. Just don't love it. There's nothing wrong. I don't want to embarrass anybody here. There's nothing wrong with Jessica. With Jessica, nothing wrong with her at all. She's wonderful. Is she wonderful? But it's wrong for me to love her because I'm married to Sharon. I love Sharon. That's it. There's a hedge around that relationship. No one else comes in. There's a hedge around your relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Heavenly Father. There's a, there is a, nothing else gets in there. But if you give the love that God says to love God with, which is first love, first love, you've left your First love. So if you're giving first love to something else, it's not that you're loving both. It's that you don't love God. Because you cannot love both at the same time. Is this, is this just simple enough? Love. What you love, you lay your life down for. I could use the word sacrifice, but I don't want to get into that because people think sacrificial giving. It's not what I'm talking about. But you lay your life down for that which you love. Oh, I've got to get up early and do the things because the wife told me to. You better fall in love with your wife again. (laughs) Hello? Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say some stuff today. This is a straight preach, okay? So you just say it as it is. Are we all right with that this morning? So many people lay down their life for their time. They lay their life down for their family. They lay their life down for their health. Spend more time in the gym than they do in the Word. You can have a great body and a V 
very, very weak faith. We're to lay our life down for our relationship with God. Not for money. A lot of people lay their life down for money. I speak to so many people in the world, world who, you know, they blame this and blame that for their divorce. Worked too hard, never saw the family. Too focused on work, brought the work home. Da, 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 da. Okay, we read some verses about, do you remember the lady who came and she cried and she washed the feet of Jesus and dried his feet? There's something about feet. Worshipping at the feet of Jesus. They came and laid their money at the feet of the apostles. They weren't worshipping the apostles, but it's a principle. I can't lay my money at the feet of Jesus. He's not here. His feet are literally in heaven. So there is a principle in the Word of God, lay your lives at the feet of the apostles. Not worshipping apostles, but you understand, I'm not going to get into this in any deep way. I'm not talking about, oh, you're laying your life down for your pastor. It's not what I'm saying. But there's just a principle here. It's in the Bible three times, so it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's right. And it may go against our culture. It may react with us on the inside, but it's a scriptural principle. That as you honour those who speak the Word of God, you're honouring God. Okay? And I'm not saying this today in, in any way as a reflection on me as pastor or whatever. I'm just saying it as it is from the Word of God. So I'm going to ask a question. Whose feet are you laying your tithe at? The first 10%. The tax bill. Where you lay your tithe is what you worship. Because it's more important than your relationship with Jesus. It's, oh. I'm just going to say this today. I'm not going to apologise for it. I'm just going to say it. Where you lay your tithe is what's first in your life. Your hobby, your pension, your mortgage, your gas bill. Where you lay your tithe is the feet that you're worshipping. Don't love money. Love God. See, generosity from the heart, we read a number of times, your heart. You see, giving and, and everything in, in our relationship with God is, a, is an attitude of the heart. Everything comes from the heart. You can do something physically and not do it from the heart. But if you do something from the heart, you will do it physically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. You see, generosity from the heart, this will come up. From a heart of love gets greed and selfishness out of our life. 
Okay, that's the first one. The second one. Don't serve money, serve God. Don't serve money, serve God. What you serve, you obey. What you serve, you obey. So I'm going to ask the, you know, the question, like I said, whose feet are you laying your tithe at and your offerings and your giving to the poor and everything else? I'm going to ask this one. What makes the decisions in my life? Is it the Holy Spirit and His leading or is it my money talking to me or my house or my job? What makes the decisions or my sports that I like? And I know we live in a day where we just want to, you know, sports and, you know, what are we teaching our kids when we go and do sports instead of come to church? What are we teaching our kids? That sports is more important than Jesus. But it's one or the other. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm just a tough one. Now, if you believe you're called to sports, hello? If that's gonna be where God wants to place you, then that's, you're gonna have to make that work. And God will make a way. But if it's just, oh, I like it. I like it. Well, it's time to sacrifice some likes for the sake of the presence of God. You see, then you'll wonder why at 14 years old, your kids are not interested in Jesus because you've taught them all their life that God comes not even second. Just fact. What makes the decisions in my life? If God says one thing, but my money says another, which one am I gonna obey? This will come up on the board. Serving God, not money, will demonstrate who is really Lord and opens the way to financial freedom in my life. Hallelujah. Okay, very quickly. Oh, I've got a minute left. Number one, tithes. Tithes. What is a tithe? Honouring God with 10% of our income. Now, we could get into gross or net. Yeah? but I think it's a really important one. What comes first, God or taxes? It's just, just it. I'm just talking about just being practical with us on a Sunday morning. So it's gross. It's not net. It's not what I'm left with after I've paid the tax man. The tax man comes after God. You see, if we say it's not gross, it's net because we do tax first, what else are you going to put first? Oh, so I do the mortgage first then. And then I do the this first. And then I do the that first. And we'll see what's left afterwards. And we'll tithe on that because that's my increase. No, your increase was your salary. I'm just, okay, I'm just. Where does the tithe go? I'm going to answer that one. It goes to the local church. It goes to the local church. It doesn't go to a traveling ministry. It doesn't go to a, a feeding program across some, someplace else in the world. It goes to the church that you're part of. That's where it goes. Where you're heart to heart with the vision, you're fed God's Word, you raise your kids, you see people come to Christ, you invite people to church, you partner with the vision and you impact your local community. 
The tithe is our covenant connector. It means everything we have belongs to God. It's not just 10% belongs to God, 90% belongs to me. No, it all belongs to God. And I demonstrate that by honouring God first with the tithe. And it means therefore that everything God has is available to us as the possessor of heaven and earth. It means the devourer is rebuked. Now he's rebuked anyway, because Jesus has been to the cross. We're not under law, we're under grace. But there is still a place of authority that comes when you say, I've raised my hand, I'm a tither, devil, back off. Get out of my life, get out of my body, get out of my marriage, get out of my finances, get get out of my emotions, get out of my business. I'm a tither. Hallelujah. Just Christianity. What's the second one? Offerings. Offerings over and above the tithes. You know, the £10 a week, the £5 a week. Whatever it is. Seed sown for a harvest. This is the seed sown. God, I'm believing God. For a new house, I'm going to help somebody else buy theirs. That's not where your tithe goes. That's just being generous over and above. And we shouldn't have to try to persuade Christians that we need to be generous. We're not trying to get away with the least. We're trying to provide for the many. Is, is, this, is this okay? Okay, it's just straight this morning. As you get into offerings, you move from your salary being your supply to your salary being your seed bag to provide a harvest in your life. That's where I wanna live. I don't wanna live according to what my pay packet says. I wanna live according to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I wanna live by, it gives God great pleasure to prosper His servants. Why? Because I sow seed and I reap a harvest. Otherwise, I'm living in exactly the same way as people who don't even know Jesus. Restricted to the wage packet. That's a hell of a way to live. I don't wanna live restricted. Giving thanksgiving, giving praise. The third way to give is supporting the gospel. Supporting the gospel. Jesus said, Mark chapter 10. So Jesus answered, and this is in the context of receiving abundance. Mark chapter 10 So Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who's left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and for the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold, which whether it's a hundred times or just an overwhelming blessing, sounds good to me. Hundred, let's all say hundredfold. See, people, I, I understand people get to extremes in this, but on the other hand, when people go to extremes, we throw it all out. Jesus said it, hundredfold. I believe for the hundredfold return. Every time I sow seed, thank you, Lord, for the hundredfold. Whether that means I give a pound and get a hundred back or whether it means I give and I get the maximum back from the harvest, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want everything God has. Amen. In order to be the blessing that God has called us to be. You see, I wanna make a statement. In the middle of all of this, a world-changing church must have world-changing finances. Why? Because we're world-changing. There's a lot to do. We haven't got time. I mean, as a church, 
We are in a very healthy place. I'm not trying to raise an offering here. Honestly, honestly. Very healthy financially, managed very well. But there's so much more to do. What a dream we have from God. What a dream, what a vision. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Don't say that's for heaven. No, it's now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, not wives. You, you, you just keep the one. I'm not sowing Sharon. I don't want a hundred. I don't want two. I want that one. I want that one. Now listen to this. With persecutions. There is nothing like abundance for you to start getting persecuted. Why? Because you start paying for the vision and seeing people come to Christ. When you start prospering, you're in a place to make stuff happen. This is why poverty vows and, oh, I just want my needs. I don't just want my needs. I want my wants. Why? Because I want to see the world turned upside down. I want to see life, lives transformed. Oh Lord, just enough. I can live on 1,650 pounds a month. That's just fine. You stingy thing. All you're thinking about is yourself. Come on, we got to think big. Think abundance more than enough. With persecutions, you better believe it. There is more persecution for people in the, in the church that prosper. Wow, do you start getting it in the neck when you start prospering. And in the age to come, eternal life. The supporting of the gospel and the ministry is not the tithes. It's not the tithes. It's seed sown to partner with the grace or what's on somebody else or, or what they're doing as a dream or a vision and I need to get on. And number three, giving to the poor. Acts chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is the Italian band, a devout, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave to the poor generously and prayed to God always the ninth hour. He saw clearly in a visual, in a visual, in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, yeah, what is it, Lord? He said, your prayer and your giving to the poor have come up in the presence of God like a memorial statue. I teach on this in academy. It's an incredible memorial praying. So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting. Verse 30, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. Behold, a man stood to me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms are remembered in God's sight. God can see this stuff. Therefore, I'm opening the door to the Gentiles through you. Talk about a breakthrough. This is church, this is personally. The church gives to the poor, we need to do it individually. You know, I always get a bit fed up with these emails and stuff, don't get a lot of them, but it's like, what's the church doing for this? Well, you're part of the church, you do something. <laughs> when it comes from that attitude. If it's someone saying, what's the church doing? I wanna be part of it, great. But not like, well, 
Where was the church when that person was da 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 da? Well, you're the church, you knew about it, give them a ring. Hello? This is not a socialist state, the church. Amen. Where it's like up to the central government to do everything. We are the church of Jesus Christ individually. Can I hear an amen this morning? Is this okay? Can we just relieve ourselves and just go hallelujah? Okay. Oh man. Health and, and breakthrough are involved with this. Absolutely amazing. So I'm gonna close with this. Don't love God, don't love money. I'm, no, that's, that, that's wrong. Don't love money, love God. Don't serve money, serve God. Today is a day to make some decisions. Oh, well, I need to pray about it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you're the place of praying about stuff, you just need to get your heart right in these matters. You just need to get your heart right. You just need to. If it was like, you know, do I forgive or don't forgive? I just need to pray about it. Mate, you're a long way from Jesus. It's one of those straight days today. You don't pray about stuff that is just straight heart Christianity. It's just time to say, okay, I may not feel like it, but I'm gonna bring my life in line with the Word of God. I'm gonna bring my life in line with the Word of God. I am gonna put up for further reading because I, I could do a whole series on this. Every three or four years, we've done a series called The Blessed Life that should come up now. The Blessed Life by this incredible pastor. If you don't listen to Robert Morris, you really need to be listening to Robert Morris. One of the greatest pastors in the world today. What a teacher of the Word of God. What a transparent man of God. What an incredible church. The blessed life. Now, there are a lot. If you typed into the, you know, to Google the blessed life, you know, the series online, the videos. If you go to, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, YouTube and type in the blessed life. There will be loads of them. You need to find the one that is, well, it's either the gatewaychurch.tv or I think it's called the... Um, a journey or the journey something and it's a seven part series 28 minutes long each it's not going to break you could do it in three days you could do it you know, perhaps you want to spread it do it as a family you know we've done this a number of times in the church on the platform we've invited Dr. Robert Morris to the platform and we give him a round of applause as he comes up on our screen and we show the video we've done that life changing Seriously, one of the greatest things we've, we've really done here. So that is absolutely awesome. That takes you step by step through what it is to live an abundant life, blessed life, but it's all about the attitude of the heart. If anybody says it, I mean, only he can say it the way he says it. I mean, seriously, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. We're gonna email the church with the link after today's service, probably tomorrow, and I just encourage everybody to have a look. And the other one, I mean, there are so much of 
of Brother Kenneth Copeland I could show. So much. Been preaching this stuff for 50 years. But there is one thing that I saw online and I just went through it all and I thought, this is just brilliant. And it was called The Power to Prosper. And again, we will send the link out. It's one hour long. And it comes from a different angle about the power of prosperity and all the rest of it. But those two together, brilliant. Hope you've got something out of today. Let's all stand to our feet as we close today. I mean, really, I'd love to have an altar call about this because I do think it's time for some people to say, you know what, I've been loving money. I've been serving money. And that's something to repent of, not to excuse. Let's all pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank You for the joy in this place, the joy of our salvation. And Lord, we want to declare it out. We love You with all our heart, our soul and our strength. And Lord, forgive us for, Lord, for ever replacing You with stuff, money, houses, lands, jobs, education. Lord, that's something to repent of. And we do, Lord, today we change our mind. And we return to our first love today. And Lord, we're not gonna be led by money. We're gonna be led by the Holy Ghost and Your Word, the principles in Your Word. So Father, thank You in Jesus' Name. Right now with every eye closed and every head bowed, let's all pray this prayer together. Thank You, Father, that You love me, that You demonstrated Your love by sending Your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to give me life. I receive You, Jesus, as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I believe in my heart that You've been raised from the dead. I give You my life. Turn away from the way I've lived. And by the help of Your grace and Your power, I'll never be the same again. I receive eternal life. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Perhaps you prayed that prayer today for the very first time and you meant it. Well, that's your day of coming to Christ. We'd normally do an altar call and hands up and whatever else, but I need to close the service. But please, if you've got any questions about what it is to be a Christian, that you're saying, you know what, I need to come back to God. We'd love to have a conversation with you afterwards. We've got Connect Team around, we've read lanyards. Uh, But I just want to encourage you, go and turn the world upside down.